All right, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, is where we were looking and where our Bible reading was from. I uh, thank you again for coming out. Thank you for being here. I'm trying to make sure this is turned on. I know that you have all kinds of opportunities to do everything else on on a Sunday, but I'm thrilled that they're, that you're still willing to, to take time for the Lord on Sunday. And uh, that's what we want to continue to do, continue to reach people and, and help them see the importance of it. I, I tell so many that my life was absolutely transformed by Christ. I went to Memphis State, and my life was just uh, was headed downhill very quickly and, and very tragically, I believe. Did a lot of things, got involved in a lot of things, but the, but the fact is, is Christ came into my life and he transformed my life. And so that's what we want to happen for others as we have our services and things here. I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. It says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law is under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. I want to have a word of prayer and we'll get started today. Father, I pray that you bless. Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee. Dear Lord, I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. I need your direction. But Lord, more than that, I need you. We need you to speak in our service today to our hearts through your word. And Lord, I pray that we rightly divide the word. And Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself and I ask you, please fill me every portion of my being that when I speak, I speak as a vessel that's yielded to the Spirit of God. Please bless us now this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Today we have people from differing backgrounds and, and lives in this room. We got a variety of all kinds of people in this room today. More importantly, we have people at every level of Christian growth. I mean, we, truthfully, that's, you know, we're, that's a wonderful thing. It'd be kind of sad if we were all at the same level and uh, we wouldn't be growing. The church wouldn't be growing, but the truth is it is, is growing. And we've, we've seen, there's a lot of different faces in here that were in, in here four months ago when I started as a pastor. And, and, and I'm thrilled about that. I'm thrilled about those different faces and different people, but it just means that everybody is at a different level of Christian growth. Some this morning have been in church for a lifetime. Some as I was doing this and writing this, I thought about the Cummings that I believe have been here pretty much since the church started 39 years ago. Some have read through the Bible many, many times. Some have memorized scripture. Some trusted Christ at a young age and have served him since. Then there's others who have been saved in a church but a few years. Some a few days, a few weeks. 
And honestly, there may be, and I believe that I met maybe some today that have walked in the door today just to see if there was hope in this life. There was a young girl in, in Sunday, Sunday school that sat in my, in my class, and that was pretty much what she said, that she came looking for hope. Outside our church and in this Memphis area, there are all people of every shape and form around this area. There's every nationality, culture, and color. Some are saved, some in serving God. Some are saved as by fire, and others have not the knowledge of the salvation of Jesus Christ. We just, we got people, all kinds of people all over this area. Now, Paul makes it very clear he wanted to understand all people of all levels of life. You know, I was, one of the most thrilling things that we did in our life, in our ministry, and we've done a lot of different things, but for 20 years, right at 20 years, we directed a military ministry, and, and by that, going up to Great Lakes Naval Base and getting sailors and bringing them down for the weekend and, and thousands of them staying in our home and playing ball with them and preaching chapel services to them and taking them to church with us, you know, but, but when you brought and when you had those boys coming in weekend after weekends, basically it's about 50 weeks a year, we would have them at our home. And, and when you did that, you found every, every type of young person you could imagine. I mean, they came from every kind of background. They came from every state in the union. They came some from overseas. And, and, uh, you know, they, uh, one of our, one of our boys, we he call him, his name was Leawana Tilai. We call him Mr. T. And uh, Mr. T was about six foot three and weighed about 250 pounds. He could, he could run fast. He was strong as an ox. We played softball one time, and he said he'd never played softball. And I said, Mr. Mr. T, here's how you hold the bat, and I'll just lob it up there to you, and you see what you can do. And he tried to hold it in big old arms, and he said, that doesn't feel comfortable, so he just took it like this in one hand, and I threw the ball, and he knocked it over the fence with one hand. And he looked and he said, is that okay? I said, yeah, just whatever you want to do. Go ahead. <laughs> just do whatever, however you want to do it. But Mr. T, was, he, he was from uh, Samoa. And he said, he said, I'm the small one of my family. And I said, oh, my goodness. You know, I don't know how they feed your family then. Uh, because he was, he was a massive old guy. And, um, and he really was. He was an incredible athlete and really good. I remember one time we had a, a cookout. We, had, uh, we, we, uh, we cooked a pig. And, uh, you know, I just did the whole thing there. And, and Mr. T, he came into the, the kitchen and he said, can I have the brain? And I said, look, buddy, I don't think anybody's going to be fighting you over it. <laughs> and he's, he just walks over to the head and he goes with his fist and bam, hits it right in the skull, right? Just bam with his fist, broke it open and he just reaches in. How you like that? And so... <laughs> And uh, he said, my, my father always got the good stuff at home. I get it here. And I said, yeah, buddy, you do. Anything you, nobody's going to fight you over that one. But you know, there's all kinds. We got to be around all kinds of people. Uh, Paul said he wanted to understand all people of all levels of life. He knew some were poor and others were rich. He knew some were educated formally and others were not. He understood that some dressed in a $400 suit and others came in jeans. And he understood that people were just different. Amen. Amen. They come from all walks of life and they come from different backgrounds. He knew some understood all that was said and done in the church and others understood little that was going on around them. 
It reminds me again of, my, of, the, of the sailor ministry. I would have these brand new sailors. They'd never been there. And, and we would have anywhere, I mean, a, a really low day would be about 20, 25 guys. And we had all the way up, one, our biggest day, we had 138 guys come down to play football. And, and uh, I made the mistake of saying we, my wife and I would cook hamburgers and hot dogs all night. All you can eat, hamburgers and hot dogs while we played football. And I expected 50 or 60 guys, and we had about 104 there. And, uh, and, and that's the dumbest thing to ever say to a bunch of sailors, all you can eat. Uh, for about four hours, we were cooking and cooking and cooking and cooking. I had to send back for more food and for more food and more food. Pretty soon, the, you know, those things, a hot dog would bounce on the grill and they'd grab it. And, uh, but, uh, but these are guys, and a lot of these guys have never been in church. They've never been around church. And, and, uh, but I had this guy that worked with me, and and he was a great guy, and he was former, you know, out of Vietnam. You know, he, he had gone to Vietnam, and he was, a, uh, I think, a Marine, and, and, and he was just a great guy that worked with me. But as soon as uh, these sailors would get on the bus, when he started working with me, as soon as they get on the bus, and, and they're kind of concerned, you know, because here they're going to a church function, and they really, you know, they're wondering, you know, what's this really, what am I getting myself into, that kind of attitude. And, and I, so I tried to warm up to them and try to get them with me and try to let them know we're just like you. We're going to go down here and play football. We're going to knock heads with each other. You know, you won't be able to tell the difference between us and, uh, and anybody else when we're on the field, except maybe our language will be a little bit different, I hope. And, uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll just be, we'll go out here and play. Well, he'd get up on the bus, and man, uh, we'd have a bus full, and he would start yelling, praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah. And I'd say, hey, man, calm down. And, and now you say, is there something wrong with that? No, but these guys were brand new, and they were looking at him like, whoa, you know, what did I get into? And, you know, can I tell you, we're going to say amen. Yeah. Amen. And you know what? When we say amen, yeah. thank you. Uh, when we say amen, some people have never heard that before. They come to church, they never heard it before. Like, and, and the only thing they've ever seen people holler like that, especially the way this guy would holler, I mean, he would scream, you know, praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God. Well, the, you know, they were expecting the next thing for me to walk up down the aisle and start slapping them in the head, you know? <laughs> And uh, because that's all they ever seen on the news or on the, on the uh, you know, the TV or something. And, and, and you know, the, I had, I'd have to look at them and I'd say, you know what, I love your enthusiasm. And, and, I, and I love you. And tonight, after we play ball with them and everything, man, holler all you want to. But when they first get on the bus, let them adjust, you know. And because what was I doing? I was realizing that everybody's different. You say, boy, you compromise. No, I'm trying to be all things to all men that I might win some. Now, in this passage, I see a few things that I think we can learn to help us to be all things to all men. Number one, first Paul says reaching people of all walks of life starts foundationally with this, with being a servant. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. For though I be free from all men... Yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Watch this. He didn't say servant to some. Paul said, you know what? I've got to be a servant to everybody. The truth is, that's really our goal and our job. Everybody that comes in these doors, whether you've been coming for 39 years, Brother Cummins or uh, Mrs. Cummins, or, or if you're the first time ever walked through the door, 
Our desire is to serve you. My desire is to serve you. I, we want to, Paul said, I've got to serve you. What's a servant? Servant is, by definition, to give myself wholly to one's needs and service. Make myself a bondman to him. You say, what's a bondman? A, a bondman is one who serves out of love. I'm not forced to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. I, we, we need to want to serve. You know, I... I have to praise that she, she'll get mad at me. She probably won't cook me for me for a while. But, but Anna, my mother-in-law back here, she came over. I'm not going to say how old she is. But she came over here on the work day, came in with her paintbrush and her roller. and Not a roller. Uh, came in with a paint roller, came in with it, the whole tray, and came in. And I don't know if you've ever seen that bookshelf in the, over there, that atrocious green bookshelf. But she painted that whole thing for us. Amen? You say, did you help her? No! Uh, no. But that was a servant's heart. But truthfully, that's what she's always been the whole 38 years of my married life to her, to her daughter. I, I, she serves. You walk in her door, she's going to serve you. Are you embarrassed yet, Anna? Okay, sorry. Now, everyone at every level of life, financially, culturally, can be served. You see, Paul said, this is one thing I can, do, I can do for anybody. And watch this. Not only can we do it for anyone, but everyone that is served is greatly affected by being served. It affects you like nothing else. You know, the, the worst thing in the world is, is for us to get in a caste system and you've got to serve me. No. No, that's... We serve each other. We've got to serve the people. God bless them, the, the, the writers. I don't know the situation, but you know what we got to do? Calvary Baptist Church, you know what we got to do? We got to serve them. We've got to serve them. And everybody else that's here for the first time, if there's anything we, we want, we don't want you just to walk in the door and walk out and feel like, you know, well, okay, I don't know anybody. I'd love for you to feel like somebody cares about you before you walk out of here. There was an old fellow that walked in the church Wednesday night. He was standing outside the door when I drove up. And when he came, and, and uh, he obviously looked like he didn't have much. And he's on the street, and it's very hot that day, and he'd been sweating. And, and I opened the door, and I asked him to come on in. I said, what can I do for you? And he sat for a while in the cool, and then about, oh, about 6.15, church was going to start at 7, he said, can you give me a ride? I said, I really wish you could stay for church. And he said, it'll make me get home so late, I'm a, I need to get a ride to a bus station. And I said, sir, if you give me about 15 minutes to get things together, that'll still, I'll still have enough time before church to take you where you need to go. And so I did. And one of the things that compelled me was, you know, is not that he was going to put money in the offering plate because he probably never will. It's not that he's going to come and become a member of our church because he probably never will but he was somebody that needed to be served. And he needed to know that there's a church in this community 
that cares enough about him to serve him. Secondly, if you want to take a look, secondly, there, there must be enough compassion toward all. There must be compassion toward all. We must be willing to truly look into their lives and determine who they really are. If you look at verse 20, it says, And unto the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as I, uh, without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. And can I tell you what this means? I believe this, you got to care enough to actually look at people and care about them when they walk in the door or when you meet them on the street to know where they're coming from. Two may walk in the door together, they may dress similarly, but they still have greatly differing needs, hurts, concerns, and desires. And I believe that's one of the key things that we've got to do. I call it discernment. Discernment is we've got to look at people and we've got to observe people and we've got to try to understand who they are, where they're coming from, and that's not to condemn them, that's so that we can better serve them. So we can better understand them. We must care enough to see who they are and patiently understand that they may come in with preconceived ideas that did not fit our beliefs. You know what? People come in and they don't, they don't believe like we, we do when they walk in. Or we meet them and they may not believe the same thing that I believe. But listen to me, we meet them on the street, in the neighborhood, and some enter our doors. But compassion will cause us to look at the heart of a man. And it's by looking at the heart of a man through the eyes of a man, you can see the heart of a man. And when we look at them, we can see who they are, where they're coming from, and why, so that we can better meet their needs. So we can help them. Help them where they are. And I don't want you to misunderstand this passage of Scripture. This does not mean... Uh, this is not to say that I believe that I'm gonna say, okay, well, I'm gonna believe all that the Jew believes in order to win the Jew. I, it doesn't mean that I I'm gonna place myself back under the uh, the law in order to work my way to salvation. It doesn't mean that. It's not gonna mean that I, I'm going to agree with that. Here's what I believe it means. It simply means I will not allow conflict and dissension over issues that do not keep a person from heaven. I will even, watch this now, I'll even praise them for, for the good things about their life. Some of their, I'll praise them for their morality. I'll praise them for their love of God. I'll praise them for their desire for God. I'll praise them for their desire to follow the law. Because we're, we're in a society that thinks somehow there is no right or wrong anymore. So, hey, I'm going to praise them if they think there is. I want you to understand this. No man will be saved by what he stops. He's saved by what he believes. And number three, there must be a humbling. There must be a humbling if I'm to win others. Verse 22 says, To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. Notice what he says. He didn't say to the strong I became strong. To the mighty I became mighty. To the great I became great. He said, no, to the weak I became weak. That's humbling. 
be careful with this, but I want you to understand. I've seen in my lifetime way too much pride in Christianity. Pride in how spiritual I am compared to others. I've seen too much pride in the fact that I do not do things that others do or dress the way others dress or have habits that the others have. Listen to me, I don't care what you struggle with. There's two things you've got to know about me. One, by the grace of God is the only reason. By the grace of God is the only reason I don't struggle with the same thing you struggle with. And number two, we simply struggle with different things. You may struggle and you may think, man, uh, that, if everybody knew what I struggle with, oh, I, they, would, they would condemn me or they'd think bad of me. Let me help you. We all struggle with something. I heard a guy one time, and he said, you know, these guys that said they got saved and still smoke. He said, I don't believe they got saved any more than a man in the moon. And I thought to myself, fella, you got a bad memory. Because he said, he said, when I got saved, man, I gave up smoking like that. Well, I'm glad you did, but what? There was something else you didn't give up. When you got first got saved, you didn't even know what all to give up. That's right. Amen. And man, he said, man, I, I gave up all that stuff. My life, okay, I'm glad. But bro, come on now. Anybody? No, I won't raise, raise your hand. I'm about to ask you. Anybody is still struggling with sin? <laughs> now look, there's some things that we, we all the sin that so easily besets us. And the truth is, we all got that. Now, I'd like to think that we're, it's getting, you know, as we get older and we serve God and we ser- seek to know God and we want to walk with God, and maybe it'll be a little bit less and less, amen, that we start calling out some of the garbage out of our lives. Isn't that good? Hello, Marco, come on. We, we, look, we're eliminated. Little by little, we're getting it out. And sometimes it happens a whole lot at once. Because God may just slap the fool out of you about something. But listen to me. We, we've got to understand, we, we can't have this pride of condemnation. Paul said, I humble myself and I become weak to the weak. You know what that says? That means I'm going to look at you and say, no matter how ugly and stupid you are, and I picked you out for a reason. I struggle too. Now, I don't have the same problem you did because I'm not ugly. But I struggle too. And watch this. If we get down on the same level, Marcus, we can get through this together. My, my girls, our six daughters, and I wish my wife was in here, but this is something that we told them and trained them. Through life, at different times of life, one of them is going to stumble. But I want to show you something. Marcus, would you come here for me? You're the closest I got to one of my daughters. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, if you just fall down. Yeah, just fall. Okay. Now, we got two choices now. We taught them as their five sisters and mom and dad. We can look at them and say, man, why'd you do that? You're always doing that stupid stuff. When you go get this right. Hello? That's not what we taught them. Come here. Here's the way we go through life. Go ahead and try to fall. We lock arms. So if you stumble, we go down. Hey, we're going to go down together. But we're going to get up together. And we're going to keep going together. Our rule was when somebody's struggling in the home, we lock arms. We lock arms. Because that's the way we're going to get through it. And the truth is, that's what I want to do with these young knuckleheads right here. They struggle. I want to lock arms. I want to lock arms. I must humble myself and let all know that I have weaknesses, and yes, I'm a sinner just as they. I had a man one day when I, a long time ago in my preaching, he, uh, he said, you got to quit telling your weaknesses in your preaching because people won't believe in you and they won't have faith in you. And I told him, I said, sir, anybody believes that I don't already, me telling them shouldn't be some kind of a great awakening to them. That shouldn't make them struggle. What I'm hoping is they know that if they're struggling the same thing that I struggled with once, that we've come, we've survived, we're growing, we're making it, that means they can too. But for me to put myself up in like, oh, I got it all together, I've been perfect since I was born, even though that's pretty close to being true, the... (laughs) They look at that and say, no hope for me. Because most of us, anybody in here, you realize you're not perfect. So if somebody gets up and says, you got to be perfect like me, and you really think they are, does that encourage you? No, it doesn't, unless you're weird. um, No, it doesn't encourage me. It discourages me because I think automatically, well, there's no way I can be that. Because I know I've already messed up. So Paul said, let me just look at you, everybody. And even though I'm Paul, do you understand who he is? I'm Paul the Apostle. You know, it's kind of like Bob the Preacher, Bob the Builder, whatever. I'm, he says, now whatever you're struggling with, I may not struggle with the same thing, but I struggle. So you know what we're going to do? Two of us, we're going to lock arms, and we're going to figure out how to get this through this thing together. We're going to grow together. We're going to pray together. We're going to... My son-in-law over in Africa, 
he asked me, he said, would you, and I don't, I don't know the whole thing, but somehow everything he does on his computer, it, it, it'll come to me. He said, because I want you to be there with me to help me to make sure I keep my life. And they don't even hardly have internet. But he still wants, when he does, he wants it to come to me. And I, about every week, I'll get a little report that says, says, Michael is doing well. And it comes, kicks out from whatever this program is that says, you know what, all that is, that's not saying Mike's saying I'm weak and you're strong. Mike's saying we're both weak, so let's lock arms together. There are no good sinners and bad sinners in the sight of God. There are only lost and saved and saved sinners and lost sinners in the sight of God. This, again, does not mean that living in sin is acceptable. No, God expects us to fight it. God expects us to, to want uh, to uh, eliminate it as much as we can in this human flesh. And God wants us to confess our sin, and it's very necessary for us all. But to, to sin and sin in our lives, we are all susceptible, and it's, that's who we are. We're human. We must all acknowledge none of us is better than any of us, and all of us must strive to help all of us. I want to give you a little illustration here. Los Angeles Special Olympics. And if you ever want your heart blessed, that's something. The Olympics is on now. You know, I, I can take it or leave it. I might, you know, watch some little bit of it. But, but the Special Olympics, if you ever have an opportunity to watch the Special Olympics. But this happened, Los Angeles Special Olympics. A large crowd was watching the participants prepare for the 50-meter uh, race that they were going to run. And you have to understand, everybody understand what Special Olympics is. As they rushed toward the finish line, as they were running this race, one boy left the track and started running toward his friends standing in the infield. The judge blew his whistle trying to get the boy to come back to the track, but to no avail. Then a Down syndrome girl with thick bottle glasses, they termed it, stopped just short of the finish line and called out to the boy, Stop! Come back! This is the way. Hearing the voice of her friend, the boy stopped and looked. And she yelled again, come back, this is the way. The boy stood there confused. His friend, realizing he was confused, left the track and ran over to him. She linked arms with him, and together they ran back to the track and finished the race. They were the last to cross the line but were greeted by hugs from their fellow competitors and standing ovation from the crowd. The Down syndrome girl with thick bottle glasses taught everyone present that day an important life lesson. And that's that it's important to take time out from our own goals in life to help others find their way. Romans 15.1 says, When we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Why is this everything I'm saying? Why is this so important? 
Why is it so important that we understand that we have patience, that we have love, that we have humility? Why is it so important that we treat people and become weak to the weak and we, we understand where people are coming from and we humble ourselves to become what they need so that they understand that we understand and that we care? The answer comes in verse 22 of our passage. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by some means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Why do we do this? That by all means some would be saved. Some's life would be changed. We are not untainted people trying to help spiritually. Listen to this now. We're not untainted people uh, trying to help spir spiritually down syndrome people back to the track. We're not the judge blowing the whistle for others to come back. God is the judge. The Word of God is the whistle calling us back. No, we are spiritually down syndrome people, all of us before God. And with God's help and strength, we can help others who are like us back to God. The only difference between us and them is that the world has called, listen, has called them away from God and His Son. There's people all over this area that they've been, they, the only difference between them and us is that they began this race of life and the world, the flesh, and the devil called them off. And right now they're off in what they believe to be friends. And right now they're heading toward a direction of, uh, of destruction. And can I tell you, they are spiritually confused. And we call out to them and say, come back, come back. But can I tell you, some of them, we have to just go lock arms and get them. If you came this morning unsure of salvation, unsure of church, unsure of who God really is or wants to be in your life, please let me say, we love you for who you are. Just as someone some time ago helped us find the track, and can I tell you, the track is Jesus Christ. And now we're headed toward the finish line for God. One day we will arrive and there will be a great cheering crowd for there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents the story is so intense to my heart you could probably tell as i, I, I read it I, I i'm bad about this i i i'm bad about not sympathy but empathy i immediately as i read a story i go there and I go there to that little child, and I go there to that Down syndrome girl, and I think everybody thinks that these little young ones are, are, are so uh, afflicted or so uh, hindered, but the, but the truth is they have the purity of love in their hearts. Had a little Down syndrome boy that, that it was a part of a family that worked with us for probably 10 years in the military ministry, and he would come every weekend, and I watched him grow, and his name was Denny, and, 
And Denny, every weekend, he would come running to me and he would hug me and, and, and Brother Hooker, Brother Hooker, I love you, Brother Hooker. And I would hug him and I said, love you too, Denny. And then I love this part of it. He would always say this about my wife. He'd say, how's your mother? <laughs> and I'd look at Joe Beth and I'd say, well, how you doing? And she'd say, shut up. And he'd look and he'd say, how's your mother? And I'd say, keep asking me, Denny. Every time you see me, you ask me how she is. But he was such a blessing, and still is. And if I ever go back there to the area, and, and, and I'll see Denny. And I was there oh, probably six, eight months ago, and Denny came up. And, and he's a grown man now, but he's still Denny in his mind. His mind has not changed. And you know who I am? I still, Brother Hooker. And he ran and he hugged me and said, I love you, Brother Hooker. He's not the one hindered. He has love in his heart. And you know what? That's what we need to be to a lost and dying world. Just have love in our hearts. And be willing to come down to everybody's level. So listen to me. It doesn't matter who you are here this morning. If this church will be what I believe God wants us to be and what my dream that it will be and what everybody that comes in here seems to tell me that it is and I never want it to change, I want it to be a place that loves everybody. That looks at everybody the same. We're all just sinners. We just happen to be happy because we're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, even for the little one that mentioned to you today in, the, in Sunday school, you want to get your life back. Get on track. You didn't know today I was going to be talking about getting on track. But Jesus Christ is the track. If you come to Him, He will set you free. And God says, then you'll be free indeed. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, I pray.